What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. So I have just completed a uh, meetup that I did here in Dublin on Saturday, the 25th of June. Thank you to the guys that showed up and to those of you who weren't able to make it. I uh, hope you'll make it to the next one. I do intend to do one in September, so I will have more details of that next week. But um, what I thought to do today was just to cover some of the content covered in um, the meetup uh, on Saturday. So sit back and just listen and uh, hopefully you'll learn something, some of the quandaries and uh, things that we discussed at the meetup. And um, yeah, let's get into that now. You are listening to Behind the Facade and I'm your host, Gavin J. Gallagher. On this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and your behavior to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. All right, guys, so as I mentioned, I'm going to be going through the content that I covered on Saturday's meetup, and uh, it's not going to be a particularly long one. I'm not going to delve into it too much uh, because I think it's, you know, it was a couple of hours that we spent together. And so there was obviously a lot more discussed. But what I really started with was I started covering some of the articles that are really catching that have been catching my attention in the news in the last couple of days and in particular I'm just going to kind of read out some of the headlines and discuss some of the things that we discussed uh, on um, on Saturday but the first thing that popped into my head was the Irish census uh, results were released in the last couple of days and we had the national census in um, in April and uh, the the thing about the it's about every five or six years i think it's every fi- supposed to be every five years or something like that but maybe it was only every six because of the uh, the pandemic last year or whatever but the bottom line anyway is that ireland's population is growing faster than any other eu uh, nation um, by quite a large margin in fact every single county in the entire country of ireland even the slowest growing counties are growing considerably faster than the European average. So it's very interesting to see. Our population hit 5.1 million. And that is the first time that our population has gone above 5 million in over 170 years. The last time our population was at the same level it is today was in 1851. And that's just an incredible figure to um, to kind of consider. Uh, in 2016 was the last census, and we were at four point, um, I think we were at 4.7 or something like that. We are now at 5.1, and uh, 5.123 is actually the, the figure. And what's really interesting about it is that we that is a 7.6% increase on the population from 2016. And uh, what it went into in the actual, the, the data that has been come out, that has come out in that time, is that our, our housing stock has increased by 6% in that time. So you can see there's a bit of, this is why house prices are sort of running at the level that they're running at at the moment, because 
we're not producing housing stock at the same rate as the population is growing. So we have, the, according to the census figures, there's 2,124,000 homes in Ireland and it grew by 120,000 homes. Uh, now, 120,000 homes over a six-year period is, as you'll do the maths there, it's only like 20,000 per year. And 20,000 per year is just nowhere near where we need to be as, as a nation. And that is why the, the, the housing crisis is the, the, you know, the state that it's in. And uh, I think if you add up the, if you just subtract the 5.123 million people from the population of 2016, you end up with a figure of about 350,000 uh, people. And those people have to be, like a lot of that has come from net migration. 190,000 people have come into Ireland in the last six years. And Dublin has experienced the largest migration of all of those. We've actually added 46,000 people to the population of Dublin just from immigration alone uh, into the country. And so you can imagine like 46,000 people, the, you know, even if that is, uh, you know, made up mostly of couples where that were coming back or something like that, which it's not uh, as far as I know. But if it was, you're talking about 23,000, like half the figure of homes needed. Like, we're just not producing. That's 20,000 homes just for the uh, people that are migrating back into the country or migrating into the country for the first time. That doesn't into, take into account the birth rate. Our birth rate in this country now is higher than anything in Europe. So it's very interesting. And there's uh, the Irish Times came out with a figure or, or an article on Friday last. They were talking about how the population is outstripping new housing demand. And this is one of the reasons why we're just going to see this, this real shortage of property. And it's, it's kind of a problem. This is one of the things we discussed on Saturday. It's just becoming impossible to fix because you just cannot ramp up production of houses fast enough to counter the, the population growth, first of all, or just even play catch up. Because for us to play catch up, we need to increase our housing from 30,000 houses a year to 50,000 houses a year. Now, you know, it's easy to say 30 to 50, but the reality is, is our housing sector, the construction sector at the moment is massively stretched. I mean, I, I, we're working with architects and engineers and they're all flat out already at the moment. And that is flat out working on all the different projects that they're working on. And the country is producing 30,000 houses a year. So you're talking about adding, you know, what is that, 80, sort of 60, 70 percent more to that. Where is the work going to get done? Like, where's the labor going to come from? Where is the where are the supplies going to come from? There's because there's sh shortages of supplies. There's delays because of supply chain issues. And there is a massive shortage of labor on the sites. And I know that from the development that we are working on um, this bit, the, the business that I'm in, we are working on a, a development in Shankill of 54 units and um, that housing development is behind schedule because we cannot get labor fast enough. Now we were delayed by the COVID restrictions and we were delayed by housing or by um, supply chain issues, 
but we cannot get enough laborers onto the site and um, in, even when you're offering to pay more than you had initially budgeted for you still can't get them so it's really becoming uh, a bit of an issue and that is one of the reasons why another headline that caught my eye on Friday was that house prices are up almost 11% since this time last year. And that is according to myhome.ie. And uh, it's, you know, what you've got is already there's a, ha- you know, there's a cost of living crisis going on with fuel costs and petrol costs and diesel costs and groceries and bread and all of this stuff is going on. And on top of that, you've got house prices continuing to kind of roar on. And you just have to wonder at what point will it just become impossible for the average family to be able to afford to, to buy a new home or to, or to move home. And, um, and so that is one of the things that we, we really got into because we're trying to, it's like t- trying to walk a tightrope. Uh, you know, on the one side, we've got massive demand and undersupply. So there's absolutely no question that the housing market will continue to roar on because of that. But at the same time, you've got this cost of living crisis and the average family um, is experiencing something they haven't experienced in a long time. Like everyone's earning more and yet we're finding it, we're strapped for cash because we're paying, like I was, I was driving today with the family and I was looking at the petrol pumps or the, the, the cost of petrol and diesel. Now, I, my car is a diesel car, so I was looking at the cost of that, and I drove through all these pumps um, looking for the best price, and 208 was the lowest price that I could find. But it went all the way up to um, 2 euro and 16 cents for basic diesel per litre. And uh, I can remember when it was like 146, not so long ago, to buy a litre of diesel. So things are really starting to, um, you know, clash. If you think about, and this is at the moment, house prices have gone up, and that is before we start to introduce interest rate cuts. Or sorry, not cuts, increases. <laughs> and so um, I think it's, I think we're going to face this kind of, this point in time when it's going to become suddenly difficult to move forward because already the affordability is being stretched by the cost of living. And then to add to that, you've got mortgages have just gone up. And if a mortgage goes up, then you can be sure that the landlords are going to feel some kind of pressure to increase the rents that their tenants are paying. Now, of course, there's restrictions in um, in place in various rent control zones and things like that so that's understandable uh, that they'll be capped but it's not going to stop the the landlords from trying their best to actually recoup recoup this uh, this extra cost that they are now having to pay the banks and so it's going to be interesting another headline that i saw that really um it just caught my eye because it's something that i'm seeing an awful lot in the um, in the kind of commercial space, is there's a there's a headline that businesses must do more for sustainability, according to this survey. And um, there's you know there's a, there's a lot of consumers out there that are cynical about what's known as greenwashing. And greenwashing is where companies are out there saying, oh yes, we're we're very sustainable and we're doing everything we can for the environment and stuff like that. But it's actually just lip service that they're actually. If you go and look, you know, deeply, if you look under the hood, 
there's actually nothing happening. And that is called greenwashing. When it's all talk and no action, it's greenwashing. And um, so that is, people are starting to examine this an awful lot more. And uh, the consumers out there are starting to actually, you know, check that this is actually true. And it's actually nearly worse to be accused of greenwashing than it is to actually just not be bothered worrying about it at all. Um, to be accused of greenwashing seems to be a worse sin than not having even bothered to kind of try to kind of do anything in the first instance. So businesses have to do more, and that is certainly something that I am seeing uh, in the commercial space, uh, property space, very much so. I mean, any, all of the occupiers that I'm working with are all asking questions around, can we increase the, uh, you know, the efficiency of the building? In terms of power usage, can we reduce water usage? You know, water conservation is something as part of the sustainability as well. Can we put um, renewable energy uh, sort of technology into the building like PV cells in the roof? Can we put in um, air conditioning systems that are not gas fired, but are actually electrical fired or powered? And the reason that they want that is because the electrical the electricity supply is coming mostly from renewable energy sources nowadays. And so it means that there's, um, you know, you can actually say that most of the power being used in the building is actually renewable energy. And uh, whereas if it's gas, you're going to have a problem with the, the gas emissions. Obviously, there's a lot of carbon emissions with gas usage, but not just that. I actually think that it's going to be a issue with um, with Russia and the war in Ukraine and stuff and the fact that Russia are now starting to reduce the flow of gas into Germany and places like that. And by all accounts, just from reading the different headlines that I've read, it seems like the, the strategy of Vladimir Putin now is to restrict the gas flows so that Europe, or in particular Germany, is unable to stockpile gas um, into its big uh, you know it's got these huge big tanks gas tanks and uh, and uh, ways of storing their gas for the winter um, and they're actually making sure that the level of gas being supplied is low enough that they will not be able to do that uh, they won't be able to fill up those tanks and so when it comes to uh, the winter time and temperatures start to drop that's when they will totally restrict gas and if they do that it'll be an awful lot of countries kind of on their knees and at their most sort of politically exposed because you're going to have a lot of people that are you know freezing to death perhaps uh, due to temperature drops and if that is the case I mean obviously I, I don't I wouldn't put it past Vladimir Putin to pull something off like that because he obviously wants to you know make the chess move that uh, that sort of creates the best uh, environment for him to negotiate some sort of settlement and to get these sanctions off his back and so it's going to be interesting to see but i do think that gas rationing is something that we're going to see this winter and if that is the case then i think you're going to see a, a kind of a pretty heavy shift away from gas and uh, people will start saying you know we've got to find a way to avoid the usage of gas and being able to be kind of held to ransom like this. Obviously, 
offshore renewable super grid all of this these are all things that were mentioned in the paper in the last few days that i've been watching green finance is another thing and it's a rapid growth in green finance um which it was talking about that but it also mentioned that backing the sustainable choice in home ownership and so there's now a thing called green mortgages and green mortgages are just where people are they're getting um, the the rates are quite good but you have to have a a house with an energy rating of a certain level and i know that the banks have i've been looking at the rates that certain banks are charging and you're actually able to get lower mortgage rates now if you have got a more sustainable home and uh, so like if it's a if it's an a rated energy in terms of its energy usage if it's an a rated home you actually can save something like a half a percent on your annual interest. So it is quite interesting how that is starting to happen. Um, another thing that popped into my uh, screen that it kind of took notice is that there is a, now that we're starting, people are starting to talk about a recession. And certainly I've been watching it in the American sort of uh, pun, pl yeah, the pundits that are out talking and um, Everyone is now predicting a recession in the US and it's partly driven by the stock market crash and the crypto crash and all of this kind of stuff. But um, it's also because of inflation and things like that. And so it'll be interesting to see whether a slowdown in America actually translates to a slowdown in the Irish economy as well. It is not predicted to slow down, but that will be interesting. I, I, I'll believe it when I see it because certainly watching the way um when when ireland has always reacted to the us it's usually been the old saying that when our america catches a cold uh the rest of the world gets pneumonia as they say i was watching uh, crypto figures over the last week and they're really they hit their lowest it was quite amazing to see that uh, crypto went down, uh, Bitcoin went down to 17,567, and Ethereum went down to 879. Now they've since rebounded a bit, which is probably good news for the people that are out there. But the fact that they breached those lows, I actually think that it's quite possible that they're gonna go again, even lower. And um, so it's gonna be interesting to kind of sit back and watch that. So some of the other stuff that I uh, you know, talked about was, in terms of investment performance and you know what assets should you be buying if you're not you know i would not recommend anyone be buying bitcoin or ethereum at the moment unless you have money to lose now there's a good chance that it will go through some sort of a rally and you'll see you know quite a few percentage increase uh, in your investment but the problem is is how long will that go for before it goes into reverse and there's a good chance that this is going to be like a sawtooth kind of a pattern on a graph and you're going to end up seeing you know rates going up and then rates coming back down and then you know prices up prices back down and if if it just goes on like that you could end up back where you started in in 6 months time and in the meantime you've risked that that kind of cash that you've put up there now in terms of other investments like property has typically if you look at if you go back and look at history sort of economic history Property has always been seen as a good f hedge against inflation. And that is because any time there was heavy inflation, rents would simply increase. And so uh, you would sort of think to yourself, well, okay, that being the case, buying a property is probably a good thing. Yes, but 
you've got to obviously add in now the fact that there are what's known as rent control zones, certainly here in the Irish market. And rent control zones, they have actually capped the increases that you can put onto your annual um, increase in your in your rent. So if you're a landlord and you have a property and it might be that you've been renting it to a couple for a couple of years and you never increased their rent and you decide, oh, you know what, it's time now that I catch up with the market and that guy across the road is renting his house at, you know, this price, which is like, you know, 500 a month more than I'm charging. So I should increase mine. You're actually not allowed to increase it. You can only increase it by the uh, maximum amount that is allowed by this cap. And so you could actually find that despite the fact that you're on the same street with the exact same house, you're actually unable to achieve the same level as somebody else just because they have been um, doing this before the rent caps came in or whatever. Um, another thing is I was actually listening to a, a colleague of mine. He was talking about the difference in his um, what he's paying on his mortgage every month versus what somebody who bought the exact same property in the exact same block in the exact same location would be paying today. So his mortgage is 600 a month versus 1,700 a month for the exact same location to, um, to actually. So by buying now, obviously he bought the property a couple of years ago, so he has some equity built up. But he's in this kind of dilemma now where the equity that he has built up if he wants to go and move somewhere else, he has to play it to pay the higher prices um, that are now prevalent. And so there is actually not really a saving there because anything he takes out in terms of the equity in, in his uh, that he's managed to kind of create by buying when he did, if he, uh, you know, if he moves to another location, the only way it would have worked is if you had bought the other place at the same time that you bought the first place. And, of course, then you would have had to have had uh, a bigger deposit and all that kind of stuff. So, But it is interesting to see how a 600 mortgage versus 1,700 a month in uh, rent um, just shows you the difference. Like if you buy a property in this current low interest rate environment, it's, it is a big, big saving. Now, that is interesting. You know, whether or not that will remain the case, one of the things we discussed on Saturday was how whether we should lock in our prices now or not whether uh, sorry when i say we should what should we lock in interest rates with the banks a lot of people are on floating interest rates and a floating interest rate means that it goes up and down with the you know increases that the central bank increases it by and so in this particular case you know we're, we're kind of we're all enjoying quite low interest rates on borrowing and stuff because the, uh, the current rate that the ECB is charging is negative. And so the banks just add on a few percent and that's what the mortgage is. But as they start to fight inflation, you're going to start to see rates increase. And so it can be a bit scary to be in that situation where you have an extremely low interest rate, but because you bought an expensive property, you might be paying you know 1,500 a month or whatever it might be. If you're paying that kind of money and the rates go up by one or two percent over the next year. You could be looking at that fifteen hundred becoming, you know, two thousand five hundred that you have to pay a month. So you're talking about almost a doubling of your payments. 
And so a lot of people don't want to, you know, experience that. And so they say, okay, let's go and speak to the bank and let's go and lock in our rates now. The problem is when you do that, you face this really difficult dilemma. And that is that the floating rate right now might be 2%, we'll say, just to use a figure. To fix might cost you 3.5%. And so you have got to give up all of that saving today in anticipation of rates continuing for the next couple of years. And then when it goes above 3.5 for the floating rate, you will start to enjoy the benefits and you'll still be at your 3.5 that you, you know, that you fixed at when the market goes on to three and a half, four, four and a half, five, whatever it goes to. Now, you might kind of say, oh, sure, it's never going to go to that kind of level again. I would not be so sure. Back in the 1980s, interest rates were 16, uh, 17, 18 percent. And one of the guys that we were talking uh, with on Saturday was saying that his first mortgage, uh, his first home that he bought, the mortgage was 16% at the time. Uh, now, obviously, he paid much less um, then than he, than he would today. And so the, you, know, you can't compare the rates because the prices have all gone up. But it just shows you that 16% is within living memory of, of people. And I think a lot of young people out there that are buying homes may not be factoring in the fact that interest rate interest rates are going to have to increase in order to fight inflation and if this inflation that we're now experiencing which i think hit eight percent in the eu that is going to mean that there's a there's a chance that we're going to have to start seeing interest rates increase to somewhere close to that level now that is going to decimate the market because obviously if everyone's used to paying two percent and it goes to eight or something like that we're all going to be wiped out but this is this is stuff that has happened before so just thread carefully one of the uh, the advice i always give is you know don't over leverage your borrowings when you're going to look at a property like you know try not to go for the most expensive house that is going to go up and you're going to end up with a big, big cost. Um, the, the mortgage is going to jump when your rates reset to the higher levels. In addition to that, we have the problem with construction cost increases. And uh, you've got supply chain delays, labor shortages. I mentioned this earlier with my own project. And the, the viability of projects is starting to come under pressure. There's a lot of people out there who bought sites recent in recent times at a pretty hefty price and they expected the construction cost to come in at a certain level and it's now coming in substantially above that level so when you have that and at the same time you have interest rates increasing and you have the cost of living increasing you just have to wonder there seems to be a kind of a, a, a crunch point coming down the tracks it just that just seems to be, I don't want to be alarmist here, but it does seem that there is an issue and it's going to be quite difficult for the, uh, for the economy to navigate its way through this. Uh, you know, the cost of living, filling your car, buying groceries, heating your home, especially with, you know, Russian gas uh, being sort of restricted and things like that. And then on top of that, people's investment portfolios are dropping in the stock market and crypto. 
And then finally, the, we, I mentioned the inflation is going to cause interest rates to increase. And so the question is, how much? When you combine all that together, you can see how we're kind of in this situation where there's a, there's a crystal ball there. And, you know, take your best guess, like which way it's going to go. Demand is absolutely massive. And at the same, and supply is restricted. So typically you would say, absolutely, prices are going to continue to roar on. But then the affordability comes into question. And if a family cannot afford to you know, keep the house over their head because of the cost of living and everything like that increasing, well, certainly it's going to cause a recession because the basics are going to be, okay, I got to cover the mortgage, got to cover the groceries, got to cover the healthcare, whatever it is. And then everything else, like all discretionary spending, holidays, clothes, cinema, going out, dinners, that's going to all have to be sort of brought down. And so a lot of people are going to experience that, I think. But it's also going to push the banks. The banks are now starting to examine people's spending patterns. And uh, one of the people at the talk on Saturday, she mentioned that uh, one of her, well, she's actually in the process of selling a property at the moment and the property has been, uh, the sale agreed has fallen through because the bank have said that approval has been pulled while they examine her um, her spending patterns. And they went through the last two months and they have done this kind of stress test and they are of the opinion that with rates increasing in the next couple of months, she's actually not going to be able to afford the mortgage payments. And so they are freezing the discussion that um, that they're going through uh, on whether or not she's going to get the credit for that. So there's just an example of a person falling, a deal falling through because of banks and their increased kind of uh, vigilance on the ability of people to make payments and obviously the banks in this country and a lot of other countries but particularly in Ireland they've gone through the last you know decade of bad debts people trying to um, you know pay off mortgages and things like that, that that were taken out in 2007 and 2008 and just simply not being able to and going into arrears never being able to find uh, enough money to pay off the bank and so the banks i think are going to be extremely vigilant to try not to create more of that because they they spent they had entire teams working on these bad loan books and i don't think they want to create any more going forward the increase just um, i've actually i calculated the the number here the population in 2022 was 5.1 5,123,536 and in 2016 the population was 4,761,000 so that is an increase of 361,886 people and uh, and as I mentioned 190,000 of them have come from abroad. Now in addition to that probably left out of those figures uh, is certainly some of the Ukrainian refugees that have come to the country. And uh, there is a real crisis at the moment in trying to accommodate them. And we got into a bit of a discussion around that on Saturday as to, is it possible to actually turn a property that you have into some sort of a refugee uh, unit so that you can actually 
I don't know. I don't want to say take advantage of the situation because, you know, obviously it's a it's a dreadful situation, but there's people out there that have space that uh, could potentially be turned into refugee available refugee space. And um, if that was the case, it may be that they can they can get an increase in the income and that might help with the payments for this cost of living thing that we're all going through. Anyway, guys, I'm going to leave it there. That's 30 minutes recorded. And um, I'm going to get back to the usual program next week. But listen out for next uh, next month. We are going to uh, not next month in September. I'm going to do the I'm going to do the uh, the, the, the meet up again and uh, I'll give plenty of notice. It'll be at a hotel somewhere on the M50 uh, because uh, getting people coming into the city centre, it was a bit of a struggle by all accounts because of traffic and things like that. So we're going to go and try and find an easier, accessible hotel. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Facade. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, if you found it useful in any way, then please take a moment to leave a review over on iTunes or indeed share this episode out with a friend if you would like to help us. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please connect with me via the Facebook group Behind the Facade community. Alternatively, you'll find me on social media. My handle is Gavin J. Gallagher. That's all for now, guys. See you next week.